following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, if you will, First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the Lord and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written... <coughs> Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Again, talking about Peter's exhortation uh, to good Christian living. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we look at this subject, Father, in thy word, again, Father, we're thankful for the truth of thy word, Father, the comfort of the scriptures, Father, the challenge of the scriptures, and Father, I pray, Lord, that we would see what we need to see tonight. Father, be encouraged, uh, Lord, not just encouraged uh, because of the circumstances, but be encouraged uh, that you're coming. Father, thank you for uh, the truths we'll hear about tonight. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be occupied till you come. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, Peter's exhortation to good Christian living. Uh, Peter uh, <clears throat> has been uh, giving us, is giving us a lengthy exhortation. To, uh, in, uh, to, to uh, Christians in general concerning the subject of good Christian living. We've talked about so far his exhortation in verse 13. Uh, uh, he, he exhorts them to uh, service and sobriety. Uh, secondly, we talked about the fact that he exhorts the, uh, them to a continual hope of the grace and the end. Uh, he exhorted them uh, to be obedient children, verses 14 through 16. And then last uh, I believe it was Sunday night we began to talk about the fact that he exhorts them to pass the time of their sojourning here in fear, knowing that if you look with me to verse uh, 17, here the Bible says, If you call on the Father who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And that phrase uh, speaks of the fact that we're to pass the time of our temporary residence here it, on this earth in the fear of the Lord, folks, meaning that we have a deep reverence and uh, love and devotion for the Lord and live for Him while we are here. And though it be a short time, if you will look with me to Genesis 47, Genesis 47, the saints of old, the Christians of old understood this truth. Sometimes we as New Testament Christians forget it. This is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen. We have a greater and a better place to go. In, uh, in Genesis 47, verses 8 and 9, Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of, of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. 130 years old. 
which was relatively young considering some of his ancestors, those of his family before, lived to be a thousand years old uh, prior to the flood and so forth. And few and evil have, been, have the days of, my, uh, of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. He uses the word pilgrimage, which means a long journey, particularly a journey to some place uh, special, if you will. And we talked about that. And then, if you will, uh, Psalm 39 and 12. Psalm 39 and 12. <clears throat> Here the psalmist speaks of the same type of thing, using a little different word. In Psalm 39 and verse 12, here the psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner as all my fathers were. Again, these Old Testament Christians understood that we're just here for a short time. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that uh, the general life expectancy of most folks is 70 to 80 years old, and uh, we're only here for a short time. The word sojourner is a temporary resident, a stranger, a traveler who dwells in a place for a uh, time in John 14 and 1. John 14 and 1. <clears throat> here the Lord Jesus Christ reminds his disciples in his day of this same truth with these words. In John 14 and 1, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, wouldn't, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And what a blessing that you know the Lord's gone ahead of us, He's prepared a place for every one of us. If you're saved by the grace of God, you know you're saved, you're a Christian. God has a place for you. And you know, folks, if you were to die tomorrow, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We have a place. We're, you know, folks, we're, this world is, we sing a song, this world is not my home, just passing through. And, uh, you know, sometimes we enjoy going on vacations. We pass through. We don't have, in some ways, uh, uh, roots uh, set down uh, when we're on a vacation, when we're traveling. And, you know, we need to be careful. We set down two deeper roots here. You know, we're going to struggle with the idea of leaving here in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Philippians chapter 3 and uh, <clears throat> verse 20. Paul writes the church at Philippi. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. That word conversation not only speaks, it speaks of our manner of life as citizens of heaven because our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. He's referring to if you will, the rapture of the saints. And folks, that's coming soon. Amen. And if you will, uh, uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And verse 13. Hebrews 11 and beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> it says here, though, it says here, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Folks, we are, we're moving on, we're moving forward uh, to our heavenly home. And while we are here, we need to, if you will, pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. Not fear of uh, the judgment of God in the sense of... Um, being judged for sin, but looking forward uh, to the Lord uh, and His coming. Look at me to first, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter seven and one. Second Corinthians seven and one. <clears throat> the fear of the judgment for our sin is gone when we trust in Jesus Christ. In Second Corinthians seven and one, having therefore. These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of, of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in uh, the fear of God. Now, perfect, uh, if you will, cleansing ourselves meaning, means to put off the old man and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and uh, true holiness, as uh, the Bible says. And if you will, tonight, <clears throat> knowing that we're sojourners and that we're to pass the time of our sojourning in fear if you look back to first peter chapter 1 and verse 17 there's two things i want to talk about in relationship to our passing the time of our sojourning here in fear and first peter 1 and verse 17 here peter writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit says and if you call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work Pass the time of your, of your sojourning here in fear in light of the fact that we're sojourners. We're not going to be here forever, and thank God for that. And uh, that uh, we're to live according to the fear of God, not a fear of judgment, but uh, a love and what have you. But all of this with respect to the judgment of our Heavenly Father, who says here, uh, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. Now, this judgment, you know, all judgment is of the Father. Look at me to Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12. And look at verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes 12 and verses 13 and 14. Here the Bible says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, amen, and pass the time of our, our sojourning here in fear, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know, folks, we're here to live for God, to live in devotion to the Lord. You know, our, our obedience to God is based upon our love and devotion for him, not on the fear of judgment, amen. We're not doing what we do because we're afraid God is going to cast us into hell, but rather because we love him and desire to live for him, to be obedient children, as we've seen already. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. <clears throat> now, remembering that there is a final judgment in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Look there with me again. Many times we've read it. 
But if there's anyone in this room today who is not saved by the grace of God, you need to be sure that you're saved. You're prepared for the Lord's coming. Because if you're not saved, you may face in time to come, if you're never saved, this final judgment in Revelation 20:11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I believe that face will see will be the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sit in final judgment of all the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the books, according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Three books will be there at that judgment. The word of God, uh, the, uh, the book of life, and if you will, the record of our sin. If someone is not saved, God has a record of every single sin and every transgression and disobedience shall receive a just recompense of reward. God is a just God. God judged our sin in his son, but you reject that judgment, you will face a final judgment before the Lord Jesus Christ over with those particular books. And folks, no one at that judgment will find mercy. It'll be a final judgment and all will be guilty and all will be judged and condemned to the lake of fire. But the judgment, if you will, for the Christian, look with me to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, the judgment of our Heavenly Father for Christians in this life is the chastening hand of the Lord. Now, it's not a judgment for sin, but it's a correction, a loving correction for our disobedience and our straying from the path. In 1 Corinthians 11, look, if you will, to verses 31 and 32. Here the Bible says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged... It's interesting, he's using the word judged to Christians, but he, he identifies for us what it is to be judged as a Christian. He says, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the wicked. This, this judgment is a chastening, a correction. It is not a condemnation, but a correction for our disobedience. God trying in love to turn us around, get us back in the way, back on the path that he has for us, Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. Pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. Folks, love the Lord, serve Him, live for Him. And folks, when we don't love Him as we ought, when we're not living for Him as we ought, God will judge us, or if you will, correct us, chasten us in love for our good and His glory. And in Hebrews 12 and 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he might say judgeth, uh, and scourgeth every uh, son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, <clears throat> and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much uh, rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits? And Lily's talking about uh, turning us back into the way of reverence and fear. 
of the Lord, devotion to the Lord, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be made partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He's talking about the fact that sometimes when we are, if you will, chastened or judged, and, you know, sometimes people turn the judgment, that kind of judgment, that kind of correction of a loving Heavenly Father into some sort of severe judgment where God is punishing us in wrath. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that God deals with us in wrath as his children, but rather corrects us in love, if you will, judges us. Now in Psalm 27 and 10, Psalm 27 and 10, that being true, folks, let's remember. That no matter how difficult the chastening or if you will, judgment that comes you know, in our world today, many over the, over the issue of religion and those who embrace Christianity are cast out by their families. When folks, when we do wrong as a child of God, we are never cast out from his family. Amen. We are always his children. He in love is correcting us, helping us, blessing us. In Psalm 27 And uh, verse 10, the psalmist writes, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Meaning that God will never forsake us as his children. Amen. And if he has to, if you will, judge us or correct us or chasten us, it's in love for our good, his glory. He's working out his eternal purpose in us. Excuse me, Romans 14. Romans 14. And verses 10 through 12. Here the Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me stop here. There are times when, when there has to be something called church discipline that takes place. When an erring brother is brought before the church and when nothing, when, when we can't deal with him personally, we can't get him turned around, we bring him before the church, we try to help him again one last time. We're, if you will, exercising church discipline, correction, judgment. But this he's speaking of as, as those that are among each other who become judges of what everybody else is doing. And let me say this, we have to be careful because that kind of judgment is nothing more than criticism. And empty criticism is not seeking to help anyone. Amen? So we need to be careful of our spirit and what what drives us to do what we do. He says, as it is written, uh, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And so it's important that we're careful about judging one another, if you will, uh, condemning one another, if you will, being critical of one another. You know what, folks? Be sure that you're critical first and foremost with yourself. Examine yourself. Judge yourself first. And then if there's... if, if 
if we find that a brother is erring and has a, has a real problem, then the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest spirit, there's a desire in all of this. There's a final judgment for the Christian, not a judgment for sin, but a judgment for service and be sure that that judgment will be uh, accurate and right because God will be the judge at that time as well. Called the judgment seat of Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And understand Paul's writing these things because uh, there was a carnal comparison going on because of preachers and those that serve the Lord ministered. He says in verse, uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 7, So then uh, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, you are God's husbandry, you are God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another man uh, uh, buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. <clears throat> thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He's talking to Christians. He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ, if you will, the judgment of our Lord Jesus Christ for our service, not for sin. And folks, God will bring to light, you know, the truth and the value of all that we've done for the Lord. That's why it's important that we judge nothing before the time. And you know what, folks? We need to be personally concerned about the reward we're going to receive. Our life first, how are we doing? What are we doing for God? Are we occupied, if you will, in serving the Lord? If you will, walking and sojourning in this life in fear? Or if we're just caught up with a bunch of nonsense. In 2 Corinthians 5, maybe even judging others. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 6, the Bible says here, for God who commanded the light to shine, that's 4, 5 verse 6, therefore we are always confident, chapter 5 verse 6, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent uh, uh, from the body and uh, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You know, God is going to judge our service, not our sin. That was judged in Christ on the cross of Calvary a long time ago, amen? And when you trust Christ, your sins are past, they're, they're dealt with, they're judged in the Lord. If you will, Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, and excuse me, Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. 
<clears throat> but after the, after the hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but, un, but uh, obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish upon every soul of man that uh, doeth evil, of the Jew uh, first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. For there is no respect of persons with God. And the judgment of God uh, it doesn't matter your station, your personality, or, or whatever. Folks, God will judge us righteously. God will be fair and equitable in his judgment with the lost, those who've had pleasure in unrighteousness, as well as with his judgment of his people. He is not a respecter of persons. In James chapter 2, James chapter 2, and looking at verse 1, James 2, and looking at verse 1, Here James writes, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with gold, uh, with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also, and also a poor man in vile raiment, and he have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Uh, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself, ye do well." But if you have respect to persons, you commit uh, sin and are convinced of the laws of transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Talking about the fairness, equity, and judgment, and that God isn't going to look at one person above another, regardless of their station, their possessions, what have you. Judge all men alike uh, according to what he knows. For he, uh, hath, for he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if, any, if thou commit adultery... Yet if thou do, if thou do not if thou now if thou commit no adultery I'll get it right yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law so speak ye and so do ye as they that be, shall be judged by the law of liberty for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth against judgment God shows mercy to us in judgment but not based upon any anything to do with our person he is fair and equitable in that judgment. And God is always uh, impartial in judgment. 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. Now here Paul is referring to his death with Timothy, but something to come after his death. For I am now ready to be offered. At the time my departure is at hand, I've fought a good fight. I've, kept, I've finished the, my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth... There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the, the Lord, the righteous judge, 
Okay, again, he is that, that judge who will sit in judgment of his people, not for sin, but for their service, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And so as we're talking about, if you will, passing the time of our sojourning here in fear, let's, let's do it with respect to our Heavenly Father, who will be the judge of our life and our service for him, and, and this will happen after his appearing. Now, folks, the next uh, prophetic thing on the calendar is the Lord is the rapture, which is also called the redemption of the purchase possession, the redemption, if you will, of this body. You know, folks, when we're saved by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look with me there. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 He says, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are, Christ, which are God's. That, that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. He bought, he, listen, he bought his body, soul, and spirit. And folks, he's leaving us here in this body for a time, but when the rapture comes, he's coming to redeem us bodily from this earth and those who have died in the Lord and that their bodies lay in the, in the ground, rotting or what have you, he's going to bring them out. But if you will, look back to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and see the second thing tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, excuse me, yeah, 1 Peter 1 and verse 17. He says, or verse 18, For as much as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, who was the blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Not only that, not only with respect to the ju judgment of our Heavenly Father, but with respect to our redemption by our Heavenly Father. We were redeemed. You know, he says, um, he says in verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. This vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers is the vain mode of worship handed down from generation to generation. Look at me to Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah 16. <clears throat> And verse 19, Jeremiah 16 and 19. <clears throat> yeah, the Bible says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. He's speaking of their religion and the vanity of it. Shall, make, shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. He's talking about particularly Gentile people who will come to realize the vanity of their false worship, their, their so-called maybe hope of redemption in their vain religion. Matthew 15 and verse 1, Jesus spoke of this with his own people, the Jews. 
And Matthew 15 and verse 1, Matthew 15 and verse 1, <clears throat> Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress their tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. What foolish nonsense. Uh, what, what a tradition to be so upset about. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that cursed father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. And how many times does human tradition in religion, if you will, make void or treat the Word of God as if it's nothing? They're often not basing what they're, they're, they're teaching people. They're basing uh, not on the Word of God, but rather on human tradition, even as the Jews were doing. They were elevating their human tradition above the Word of God. And Christ said in verse 70, hypocrites, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And many in the realm of even so-called Christianity in our world today are trying to worship God in vain according to the traditions, religious traditions taught by men. And it's, it's called by Peter, vain conversation received by traditions from your father. They're not worshiping God according to, if you will, uh, uh, redemption. If you will look back to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. <clears throat> Again, verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your... Uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The word redeemed means ransomed, delivered from bondage, distress, penalty, liability, or from the possession of another. Folks, we are redeemed from Satan, the power of Satan, and from sin by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Not by any religious tradition, not by any religious teaching taught by men, but according to the truth of God's word, our redemption, our, our purchase, our ransom. You know, what, what, what's paid to someone who has taken someone captive? Say someone, if you will, kidnap someone. We use the word ransom to, with the effect that if, you're, if the ransom is paid, the one who's been snatched, if you will, will be released. Well, more often than not, that's not the case. But you know, with the Lord, uh, God says we've been, uh, we're in bondage to sin. We're captives of Satan. And God said, listen, I have a ransom. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, I believe it's in the book of Job. He says, I have found a ransom. And the ransom has to be in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the ransom of our soul. He is the one who can redeem us only himself by himself. Mark 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Mark 10 and 45. <clears throat> Here the Lord Jesus Christ says this, For even the Son of Man 
came not to be ministered unto, but to minister in what way? To give his life a ransom for many. Christ in his first coming came to to pay the ransom price to deliver us from the power of Satan and sin and darkness and deliver us, if you will translate us, into the kingdom of God's dear Son by the ransom paid in the person of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his, the shedding of his blood. Some preachers in the past have said that only the death of Christ is important. Let me say this, without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of the debt No forgiveness, no ransom paid in full without it. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and 19. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law condemns us. The law cannot redeem us. He says here, but now, verse 21, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness which is of God by faith of Jesus Christ unto all them Uh, unto all and upon all them that believe for there's no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare I say at this time to declare his righteousness for for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. But folks, being justified, verse 24, by, uh, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is, where is our redemption in Christ? In the precious blood of Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins. That is the only ransom that can deliver us from the power of sin and Satan, the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and translating us into the kingdom of his dear son, Ephesians 1 and 7. We need to remember as we live this life for the Lord, we pass the time of our sojourning here in fear. And you know what, folks? Knowing and understanding with respect to the judgment of our Heavenly Father, if you will, the correction of our Heavenly Father for us, and if you will, the final judgment at the judgment seat of Christ, you know what's going to be important to you then? When you stand before Christ, that you have something to give back to him, to present before him. Amen? And in order for that to be, we have to live the past, the time of our sojourning here and now in fear with the respect that, you know what? What I do for God will be judged rightly and properly, will not be forgotten by God, will be rewarded by the Lord. And also, folks, remembering the great price that was paid for our redemption. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Redemption through his blood. 
Titus 2 and 15, excuse me, Titus 2 and 11. <clears throat> For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Folks, we're talking about redemption. We're going to see that. We're redeemed from all iniquity now in this life, to live in this life in a godly manner, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purifying himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, not good works in heaven. We'll all do good works in heaven, but now, in this life, redeemed to do right, passing the time of our sojourning here in fear with respect to our redemption. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee, if you will. Ephesians 1 and 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ephesians 1 and 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, and whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of his glory. Now, folks, you know what? When we get saved, we trust Christ through the gospel of Christ. The Holy Spirit moves in and says, God says to you, you're mine. You're mine now. And there is, if you will, we are sealed in that. Uh, if you will, it's the earnest of our inheritance, that we have a heavenly inheritance. God says, you're mine. He's put down the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. But he says here <clears throat> in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession. See, we belong to God. We belong to him now. And folks, do you know what? The Lord is coming to, he is coming to redeem his possession in the rapture. We're his now. We are to live for him now past the time of our sojourning here in fear, knowing we're bought with a price. We belong to God. And God, if you will, uh, judges, uh, if you will, judges us, corrects us, and will judge us finally, seeking to give us reward He's coming to get us. You know, folks, there are things that are indicating that we've already got some, some of the technology for the mark of the beast. There are things going on. Uh, China's doing the Silk Road, moving toward pre preparing the way for the, the kings in the north or whatever to come down on Jerusalem. Things are in, getting to, to coming together because the Lord is coming. He's coming for us first to redeem us off of this earth before he begins to pour out his wrath and judgment upon this earth in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. <clears throat> Here Paul writes, And if children, speaking to Christians, then heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him 
with subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also delivered shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we are, but ourselves also, <clears throat> excuse me, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but, if, but hope that is not seen, that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why do they yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Folks, we, we couldn't see even our spiritual redemption with our eyes. And folks, one day though, our hope is in Christ. One day, folks, and I think soon. You know, I was thinking about this realizing that, you know, we're moving toward having our, our 25th anniversary and our building dedication, but I'm going to tell you something. What if we don't make it? And the Lord comes to redeem us bodily. Who cares? Amen. Let him have this building. We have a building in heaven. Amen. A home in heaven. Now, I appreciate what God's done for us, and I'm looking forward to to the building dedication of the 25th anniversary. But man, if the Lord says, hey, it's time to come home. Who doesn't want to go home? Amen. And I'm not talking about through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm talking about the redemption of this body when the Lord says, come home, come up hither. Amen. Wow. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Talking about those who are dead in Christ, falling asleep. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they start talking about Christians being dead in the earth. Their body's dead. It's lying in the earth. In a grave. Not in an urn. There may be some on an urn. In somebody's living room. Or they've scattered their ashes. We're talking about in the grave. For, we which, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain shall uh, remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend with, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a, what a comfort, folks. <clears throat> the redemption of this body. And what a blessing if you're alive in this body and it happens. Amen. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen. Have you ever tried to imagine what, it, what it's going to be like when the Lord comes? He comes to get us. He comes to call us home. And suddenly we're not here. Now, you know, I don't know if we're, I have a feeling it's going to happen so fast that one minute we're here, the next we're going to be with the Lord. Which is good because I, I don't like heights. <laughs> I don't like, you know, have you ever been up on, on a high roller coaster? and I, You know, like even the Ferris wheel, whatever. You know, 
wow, we're just going to be there. And all of this will be over for us. Amen? The redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of his glory. Amen? He's coming. He's coming. It may be in our lifetime. It may be this year. It may not be. But we have hope of something better. A redemption. So past the time of our sojourning here, we're, you know what, folks? Even if we just live and die, it's a short time and then we're the Lord. Amen? We're with the Lord. But what a glorious thing it might be if everyone in this room, if you're saved, and let me ask you this, are you saved? If you're saved, folks, when the Lord sounds the trumpet and says it's time to come home and we're gone, will you be going with us? Will you be going with us? See, the Lord wants you to. He loves you and wants you to go with him. Amen? He wants to be, he wants to be one of that number who will be redeemed bodily from this earth. Folks, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And maybe the time of our departure is at hand. Maybe this year will be the time of our departure. Are you ready? Amen? Are you ready? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.